Hello and welcome to the 23rd episode of the fourth season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Roy O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. Hello, Banjo. The uh, the week of embarrassments could yes. not have been any more interesting. Uh, it, it's quite an interesting little yeah, we've thing. been uh, complaining about how boring football is for the last few weeks. Certainly wasn't boring this we, week. We kind of think what we want is like an even competition and high scoring and close results. This was like the lowest rounding, uh, lowest scoring round ever. <laughs> Got it out eventually. Yes, I did spit <laughs> it out. It sounded a bit like Robbo there, were we talking yeah, about yeah. later. And it was also just like incredibly one-sided results all over the place. Embarrassing performance left, right and centre. I've not been as this interested in football all year. I've been listening to all the you football media. You reckon because finally there are other sides that were more embarrassing than you were? No, I, don't. I, would, be surpri- <laughs> I would be surprised if the football talk shows on a Monday night didn't have extra good ratings this week. I think everyone would be tuning in. The teams who had, the, the like for example, the Western Bulldogs fans yeah. would want to listen to it. I reckon the Eston fans would want to listen all in as well to see all the... Re- get like really get annoyed at their team they'd be tuning in yeah exactly uh, and interest in football I, like, I think Gillen would be sitting back being like oh how great is low scoring one-sided games <laughs> it has felt like that this week I found it really fascinating and well I'm a bury my head in the sand kind of guy so this week's a bit tough for me um 14 points we'll get to that yeah well when it's me I get used to it and then I start yeah enjoying the fact that there's misery of other teams I, I said to you before on Saturday not like so watching Melbourne on Saturday I was absolutely ashamed with our performance I thought it was yeah. one of our worst performances of the year just felt horrible about it Saturday night they come up on the footy and they have all the scores throughout the round <laughs> and I'm like we're probably the most respectable performance <laughs> out of all the losing teams there it's been amazing I was getting texts from some mates of mine going Oh, how good is it Essendon are losing? The Wallabies beat the All Blacks. Isn't this just the best <laughs> night of sport? I'm sitting here in this group chat going, strongly disagree. Yeah. Like, insensitive guys. But you must have been happy about the fact there were other things to distract. Oh, it was your great. Misery. Yeah. It was great. Did uh, you end up flicking over? Oh, wait, so were you there at the game? Were you at no, the North no, game? No, okay. It was in Geelong. Oh, yeah, it was in Geelong. Yeah. No, yeah. I was in Geelong, yeah. <laughs> uh, so did you end up flicking over to Eston Bulldogs to make yourself feel better? No, no, sat through it. Yeah, so did I with yeah. Melbourne. I, I actually really struggled to sit through that game. But with forced North, myself through. It was... Oh, we'll ju- I'll wait for that. We'll get yeah, to we'll that. We'll talk about that when we get to the game. So we'll move into our, our segments, I think, Banjo. Yes. Uh, the first segment, and the best one as always, is Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The title of the segment comes from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit? And we give three, two, and one votes for the most meaningless games of the round. Just feeding into what I was saying before, my, my thesis around Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, which you've disputed at times, mm-hmm. sometimes I say the one-sided games, the thumpings, are really interesting and they deserve some relevance points. Yeah, You've you always get disputed. to pat yourself on the back for a little bit this one. Easily the most relevant game this week was I, I, I still, yes, I still quibble with one that you've left off that I'd want to ask. Alright, alright. I'm, I'm assuming you gave it massive occasion points, but um, yeah, generally yeah, I think I, you, you, I, you've come out well this I week. I think I know what you'll be talking about. <laughs> you can pick your time to criticise me on it. I'm sure you'll chip in at some point. But one vote, Banjo. Melbourne continue their train. We're just going along. We're smashing out gold jacket, green jacket at the moment. Honestly, it's nice to see you win something for once. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. So Collingwood defeated Melbourne by 17 points in... So I have in the my worst formula. Game you've seen all year. Yeah, my formula I have one to ten on a quality of game. Normally, if I watch a game, I think it's a bad game. I'll give it like a two. 
This I I gave this game a one, and you probably felt generous doing so. Yeah, it was I mean, garbage. Yeah, sometimes I do give zeros actually, so I probably should have <laughs> given it a zero. It was a I terrible game. Yeah, I generally, if I'm sitting on the couch watching footy on a Saturday, I would just flip between the two Saturday afternoon games at sort of breaks, half times, and watch the end of the quarter, then flip back. Yeah, just well, didn't turn back at all to your game. Well, I mean. So this year, of everything that's been wrong with Melbourne, there hasn't been a lot of games which I've watched it and thought the players don't look like they care. Like, I haven't thought that a lot. you think that this week? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this week it was, we were smashed at the contest and we were destroyed on the spread. And How did you it, only lose by 17? Well, we kicked the last four goals or something when the game yeah. was dead. So it, like, it was a low-scoring game and Collingwood weren't very good. They were very, very inefficient. I think at quarter time we were up... We're up nine to five or something. There's been a sort of bubbling rhetoric floating around there about are Collingwood back? They've won two in a row. No, I I watch this thinking Collingwood are absolutely gone. They need at least six players back before they'll be good again. They are absolutely cooked. The injuries got them and they've properly got them. Yeah, as I say, it was was a terrible game. The first quarter was just like a nothing. Like both teams just didn't even fire a shot. (laughs) And then the second and third. It was one goal to none, wasn't it? The goal was kicked in the... Two minutes left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I think be laughing at people not kicking goals. Yes, but. true. I think I think it was nine to five at quarter time, and I'm like, what was the point in even watching that yeah. quarter of footy? And then we were flogged for two quarters, and it was as I said, they weren't efficient, they weren't putting us away, but they were still building a very yeah. big lead. And then we kicked the last four. Um, there were a couple of criticisms about the Melbourne coaching, which I wanted to give my thoughts on a little bit. The first one is this uh, Max Gorn. Uh, shouldn't have tagged Brody Grundy thing. I think Max had a tongue-in-cheek comment after the game about how oh, I wanted to be a tag or, or something like that. Uh, so you think it was a Max-driven narrative, not a reality? No, not, not an intentional Max-driven narrative. But I, <laughs> I, I would be unbelievably shocked if Goodwin actually said to Max, we want you to tag Brody Grundy this week. It would have been a thing of... Uh, the one like we 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 back you in the ruck contest against yeah. Grundy. We back you in a marking contest against Grundy. Where we don't back you is you'll beat us on the spread. He did so, get flogged in the hit out. So I didn't get flogged. He got forty four to thirty. Okay. Well, watching the game, I felt like it was a bit of a nil all draw. I didn't no. feel like the rucks had much influence really, which is probably what you get out of tagging supposedly. But it would have been the one place which Grundy's going to beat you is on the spread. So we don't want Max to do his thing where he's always the big dog and he runs to his space and he can dictates terms in the way he does. If we do that, Grundy will probably kill us in the other direction. So just follow Grundy around and then we'll back you to beat him in the contest. I suspect that's what it would have been. All right, so a run with Rolf. Yeah, well, maybe... It, like, I would say it probably wasn't the right thing to do because for us, the only chance we have of winning the game is Max, is Max absolutely dominates, dominating. Yeah. But like, it wasn't as bad as people have painted it to be. The, the, the one thing which was really bad, which people have talked about, is how mm. we just let Sidebottom utterly destroy us all four quarters. He was just on his own, ripping us to shreds. As I, I say... one in a f- bounce where he just stood by himself. He had yeah. an entire week Oh, it happened himself, all day. And I don't understand where the guy could go with 666. When, <laughs> I, when I say they were inefficient, like the only player who was efficient with Sidebottom and he was in space doing whatever the hell he wanted and we never did anything about it. So that was pretty bad yeah, coaching, okay. that one. I do want to give a quick shout out. The bits I did watch, Petraka was awesome. He's having yeah. a really good year. Hey! If you'd, yeah, I've come around on it. Yeah, if well, you'd played anywhere near as well as you should have all year, he'd be a massive story. Yeah, he's I just completely yeah, I overshadowed by our rest of the, well, yeah, shit the rest Early of the in the year, there was still a lot of criticism about yeah. Track around and I really stood up for him and I, I've been saying all year I actually think he's had quite a good year he's improved a lot his work rate's a lot mm. higher than it ever was and he's impacting the game more consistently um, did you know he's like fourth in the league for 
contested possessions that aren't one at a stoppage. Just throwing that No, okay. Yeah. I, that that does make some sense to me because he's he's not at stoppages, and he, as I've said to you before, the only ball he gets is hard ball. So that yes. doesn't shock me. And yeah, he was he was probably our only shining light out of the game. But look, let's move on from that game, Banjo. Yeah, so Too much. Collingwood are rubbish. And you're yeah, Co- yeah, Collingwood, write them off, and we're disgraceful. And I want this season <laughs> to end as quickly as possible. Still can't wait for Gold Coast to get the priority pick ahead of you. <sighs> Shut up. Two votes, Banjo. <laughs> we're giving Port Adelaide defeated Sydney by 47 points. Not irrelevant from a Port Adelaide point of view. No, Quite an important really win. really sort of hammers their ability to make top eight. Yeah. And they're probably a favourite to make it out of... Although there's probably two spots opened up with Essendon and Port are very much in the hunt now. Yeah, well, it's inter- leading the pack, sorry. It's interesting with Port because obviously the criticism with them has been their inability to back up. And now they have had two weeks in a row when they've won comfortably mm. and they've played well two weeks in a row. They've got a couple of easy games to come, which on the back of that, everyone's saying they'll make the eight. But I'm not is sure that- they're that. It's not like they're playing Gold Coast. Who are they playing? It's North it was- and Frio, who are two poor yeah, to mediocre okay. Frio's sides. in Adelaide, isn't it? Uh, yes, I th- yeah, think Yeah, which so. makes a big difference. Uh, but we're at home. Like, I don't head into that game going, oh, we're definitely losing yeah. that game. And I don't think Freo would either. So it's like two games that are probably 66% chance to win. Yeah. And then if you take that into account, they're like 50-50 to win. Yeah, which, yeah, you're saying they should win both games. Yeah. but And with the way that they played this year, you expect at least one of them is probably going to be Yeah, so I think they're off, very so. likely to win at least one. But then... Yes could easily drop the other. Yeah, so yeah, they're not certainly in there, but this was a pretty important result for them. Uh, anything worth saying about Sydney? They have no Ruckman, and they're the sec- <laughs> yeah. youngest or second youngest team in the competition. The season's just too long for them. They're starting to play bad football. Yeah. They've been pretty admirable all year. They've only lost three games by more than five goals. and that's, There's like two teams that have, done, have lost less games by five mm. goals, which... That- is pretty admirable for a team that's fourth last and looks fourth last. Yeah, that they had a poor start to the year and we all kind of accepted mm. Sydney aren't very good. And then from there, they competed a lot better than we expected for quite a period of time. It does seem to be dipping a little bit now. Yeah, and that's fair enough. It's hard to be good all season. And not that they've been good, but they haven't been bad. And generally, teams have bad weeks. And yeah, they're starting to yeah, happen. I think with Sydney, we need to accept that they're not a particularly good team. They are, as you say, they're trying to rebuild. They have some youth yeah. there. We need to accept that. Be like, okay, they're not a great team. Let's try to see some improvement now and not think of them as being the Sydney that they've been for so long. Yeah, and they haven't had Buddy all year. McVeigh's retired because he's so old. Mm. Kennedy's just about done. They are not Sydney that yeah. we're used to. So I think it's probably, as weird as it is, probably been a successful year for them overall. <laughs> Yeah, um, we, we were both pretty down on yeah. them at the start of the year. So from that perspective, you can argue that, I yeah. I kind of look at it, like I think Sydney fans would be feeling a similar way that I did when North came, the, the year after North delisted Brent Harvey and everybody. We, <laughs> yeah. we, had, we came fourth last, but it wasn't that bad a year. They've been in so many games and they every chance to bounce back and be a proper football side next year if things go their way in the offseason. Yeah, again, that does come from the perspective of us who we really did forecast yeah, and to be bad. A lot of people lot still <laughs> thought they'd be good. So from most people's perspective, they would say it's a disappointing year. Yeah. But I, I see where you're coming from. Let's move on. Though. Moving on to the three-voter banjo. Uh, big one at the G. Richmond defeated Carlton by 28 points. So to those teams, we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Yep, just the most predictable result yeah. of the round, pretty Our much, banjo. to... Um, uh, David Teague, he's improved the side by five points over round one. So, uh, 
clearly shoe in for the job. Jeez, aren't you funny, Banjo? How long have you been thinking about that one? Uh, give a good three seconds. <laughs> it was, what an absolute cracker. Well-crafted joke, I thought. Uh, it was Richmond a bloody good in the wet. They flogged him early. It basically buried yeah. the game early, and then it just kind of held off at around that 28-point mark for the rest of the game. And then it ended. It was... Yeah. In all honesty, I, this is just a fine performance by Carlton and a fine performance by Richmond. Yeah. That's what makes a gold jacket, green jacket. Nothing yeah. changed for either side. Both yeah. te- Neither team performed above or below what we expected of them. It just pretty much went to... It went to party. It, it went to script, yeah. Probably the only thing slightly a little interesting out of it was uh, Jack Graham just having an out of the blue yeah, actually, incredible that was performance. Interesting. He kicked Where did that four goals from? in a row in the wet when barely anyone had been kicking a goal yeah. all week in the second quarter um, and ended up with, what, 20 odd touches, four goals for the game. Tackles. Yeah. Absolute monster game. Imagine yeah. if you had him in fantasy. Yeah, the bloke who out of nowhere was great in that final series and then went back to being average for a long time and then had a good game out of the blue. But I wouldn't uh, I actually say don't, too I, much out I'd of that. I'd be reasonably optimistic about him, actually. I, I don't mind him. He plays his role It might well. be because he's got a good tan, but I do like him. He, I, I can't see him being a star. He, play, he plays no, a good role for the team when he's in. Enough, but he might be one of those good, tough inside players. Richmond have a lot of those like, the best, like He could get to Taylor Adams. If things uh, right. I say that's setting the bar pretty high. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a very optimistic <laughs> view. Yeah. But, like, Taylor, everything Taylor Adams is good at are things that are achievable for Graham. Yeah, I guess so, Banjo. I, w- I wouldn't be hoping for him to be a Taylor Adams, but, yeah, anyway. That's because you're pessimistic and your team's never in <laughs> I am when it's Richmond, yeah. No, you're not pessimistic. You're fatalistic. <laughs> it's a difference. Yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. Okay, Let's get look, to our... We've got something yes, exciting happening. We have an announcement to make. For the first time ever, we're doing a double segment, combining two segments into one. And it's for a very good reason. Hey, we have to just, I have to stop you there. We do have to make clear we have done a segment within a segment yeah, on many occasions, which was a great innovation. We've now got another yeah. one, which is a, a, yeah, a double bring segment. things to the podcasting table that no one else does. <laughs> when have you ever heard somebody combine two segments into one? I haven't. I can't think of it. I've done a lot it, yeah. of research and never had yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. First. Um, yeah, a lot of quantitative <laughs> Just like North analysis. Melbourne at first, <laughs> scoring 14 points. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're combining cane corns call of the week with top five. Top five part self-explanatory, but you like me to explain cane corns. Every I do, week. yes. So we've looked for the new at, listeners. We've looked at the biggest call of the week, and uh, we haven't. Uh, we actually haven't thought of one for ourselves. So that part of it's scrapped. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yes. <laughs> we got about that bit. Uh, but yeah, we make the biggest call. We find the biggest calls made by the media and pick them apart a little bit. Normally, we only have room for one, and some weeks we've been stretching it and really mm. we've been scraping the barrel. They've been a bit been boring much. recently, yeah. Yeah, but what's happened? The AFL media was just winding themselves up. They had a lot of pent up energy, and as soon as a few <laughs> shit performances come out, they are ready to crack. And they we have had so down. many that we had to make individual top fives to fit them all in. <laughs> We have got a little bit of crossover, but we just had to. We just had yeah, to make sure every, orders, every, single, every single moment got the deserved light, got its deserved yeah, moment in the sun because it, oh, it was a massive... I, I'm quite excited. We do have a great running sheet of Kane Corns calls to go through. Yeah. <laughs> we had to get rid of some people. <laughs> More than five really abjectly awful goals. So take us away. What was your five? Uh, my number five, Banjo. This one dated back a little bit. We'd kind of forgotten about this. So this is what I thought initially would be the Cane Corns until I, this I saw... I absolute Monty that, when you said this <laughs> it got smashed out of the park by everyone else. Uh, a new person added to the fold. We have Cam Luke who made yeah. this call. Speaking Of on trade the- radio fame. 
Yeah, apparently, yeah. I've heard him on SEN once or twice, but uh, he does the armchair experts with Adam Cooney. And on that, he made the big call that Melbourne should trade pick two for Brad Hill. And that then. That's a little. That's a little. Questionable. Brash? Yeah, yeah questionable. A bit that over the top. Yes. For Brad Hill. It's where he goes to after that that really makes it good. Following that, he says, then I think Melbourne would win the premiership with Brad Hill. You're second last. <laughs> the team who are 17th, very much deserve to be second 17th, are going to get really good player, player we really need, but not not in the absolute top echelon no, players of the competition. He's, he's a good player, and that player on his own will transform us into a premiership team. Yes. <laughs> Look, I'm cool, thinkably stupid. I only put it at five, probably I for the reason that two, like I want to... <laughs> I want Brad Hill so badly. Like he would be I love him so and he would be to so will this good. Into existence, so you don't want to make too much fun of it. Well, if we traded pick two for him, it would be a thing of I would say, I don't think he was worth pick two, but I'm still gonna get excited because we have Brad Hill yeah. and I really, really want Brad Hill. So for that reason I didn't want to be too critical of it. So you got it at two, do you? <laughs> this is an absurd call. Man, <laughs> The idea that if you got Brad Hill, you would win the premiership. <laughs> Even if you did it because 15 other things went right for you in the meantime, it would not be Brad Hill <laughs> equals premiership. It's just, oh, it's so nuffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good start. It's a good start. What's your five? Like, how good a week is it where you could reasonably put that at five? Yeah, Mine's yeah. just a casual, off the top. You didn't even have this one, I don't think. But yeah. from Matthew Lloyd, just slipped it into uh, access yeah. all areas. Darcy Fogarty is the best kick for goal in the game. <laughs> How would you know he's played 12 games? He's, kicked, he's had 15 shots on... He's kicked 15 goals. So, so my one was the early one in the week. This was the, the late inclusion. This one we, we were we, watching Access All Errors before doing We had it. five written down. We we're going to do a combined top five. And then we saw that one and it was like... No, we've got to expand it out. That he just slipped it in there, and he said it's yeah. a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. He didn't get any response from either of the co-hosts. They're just like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> he was just so what casual are you with it. About <laughs> twelve games he played, and two this year. Yeah, how just, many goals would he have kicked? About twelve, probably. How the fifteen hell, goals? How the hell are you going to know if he's the best kick for goal in the competition Absolutely on the basis insane. of that sample size? I, I have no idea where that came Nick from. Clarky's kicked like nineteen three yeah, from all right. shots. Don't, well, we're having fun, Banjo. Don't try to weed in some more North Melbourne talk. My number four, Banjo, if it's you're interested. the only positive thing I'll get to say about us all week. Let me, let me live. <laughs> My number four, uh, Banjo, I know you've got this one a bit higher, so you're going to be surprised to see how I put this at number four. This came from Tim Wispy Watson, who I do love, but he was on some nuffy fire during uh, SEN this week. Cracking the shits about Essendon. He has said you that have you have this at number four. Out of the four, yeah. He said that you can get any under eighteen side out there that could kick six goals in eight quarters against an AFL team. Obviously, referencing the fact that Essendon have only kicked was it six goals in the last two games. He believes that any team from the under eighteen championships would have kicked more goals than that across these two weeks. That's just staggering. So you have it. Where do you have it? So they kicked nine goals last week. I don't know what he's on about. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe since maybe you mentioned six quarters or something. I have yeah. no idea. But that was not what Sen tweeted out. So this is what we're running yep. with. I have this at number one. This is the most insane take I've ever heard. An under eighteen team would get absolutely flogged every day of the week. <laughs> the so he's not saying the NAB AFL Academy side, which occasionally plays a VFL side and does all right. How does it? Oh, yeah, no, it does it's do It's won the last two or something. Yeah. It's been flogged every time before that. But a VFL side would get flogged by an AFL side. There is a massive difference. And then 
that was the best under 18 side possible. And he's not saying they'd win. <laughs> they might kick six Greg, goals any in eight quarters. Any, which <laughs> implies that you could get like the worst <laughs> under 18 side. Which, yeah. let's and put that aside. That, that, is, that is the logical extreme of this. We do not need to go into that because that's so obviously a fallacy. But in the NAB League, there was a goal, team that kicked two goals against another 18 side. So this is a semi-elite uh, under 18 side, and they couldn't kick two goals in four quarters against another 18 side. How the fuck are they going to do six goals in eight quarters against an AFL side? I don't care how injured they are and how pathetic they looked. That is absurd, Tim Watson. <laughs> I, d- I did. I listened to. I listened to the podcast today of their thing. It was quite funny because they had Nick Rewalt and Gary Lyon in there, and they were doing quite a good analysis of how are they going to do the review on Monday? How are they going to talk about? It? And they just had old Wispy in the corner, just absolutely losing his shit at Essendon. <laughs> to be honest, I completely get the emotion. <laughs> it happens I, when I, it's your I've team. Got a, I've got yeah. another Essendon one here, and both of them are just like, look, I get how angry you are, but say this stuff off TV and radio. <laughs> this is the stuff you say to your family number four banjo what's yours <laughs> i've got this is bruce mcavane about wingard oh, and bruce yeah first time he's Not ever much of he an doesn't al- generally analyst, yeah. Yeah, doesn't generally have opinions that you can actually put on this but just staggering this one mainly because it's incomprehensible so he's talking about wingard and he goes he could be the recruit of the year if they can get him going next year and i just have so <laughs> many questions about it what year is the recruit of the year of because if it's this year it's kind of impossible for him to backdate it if it's next year he's not a recruit if it's the totality of it i still don't think he would because he's had a completely wasted year and just he wouldn't be anyway it's just farcical this take i I think what he was trying to say would have been he's like a new recruit or something no 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 like if he's good next year and he gets but he plays the way he's been playing the last couple of weeks next year then if we looked back at the recruits at the start of this year he would be the best of the lot across the that period of time that he's that playing is, so at the new that's club. That's the charitable way to. I look reckon at it if you logic. asked him, he'd say and that's then, what he's trying to spit out. And then when you look at it on that level, he wouldn't be anywhere near it. Lockie <laughs> Neal has been so good. <laughs> True. Like, True. Like it's still a game gone's <laughs> goal if you give it the charitable <laughs> reading. That's true. But I, I, I think it was more an execution issue than anything. So I've given him a little bit of a slide on that one. Banjo, number three, I've got the great man himself. He had to get himself in there, Kane Corns. I didn't like this. He's gone with a real hard look at the fact that John Warsfold looks so... He, no, he's too much of a passive coach on the basis that basically he's not losing his mind and cracking the shits while sitting on the boundary watching the game. So because he is level-headed and sensible towards watching his team and trying to analyse things... He must be too much of a passive coach and doesn't make any changes. If they had this performance and he lost his shit at the players, they'd be like, yeah, they had to keep it cool. 100%. He lost his head, that he didn't help the team. And on another day, he'd be praised for keeping such a level head yeah. um, whilst a game of football is on. People rip into uh, the Scott brothers all the time for yeah. the fact that they show too much emotion Ross in the box. I tried to flip a table this weekend. How is that good? <laughs> the, the whole needing to see emotion from players and coaches to show they care is just such a nuffy thing. It's just an yeah. angry supporter looking at a game and being like, Why are oh, you, you don't care, like you don't care as much as I do. And it's just, no, they're actually trying to do something about it. They're allowed yeah, to oh. stay level-headed. So I my like favourite part one. about this is Devin Smith came out later Monday night and said, yeah. yeah, sometimes I wish he'd throw a pen at us. And I'm like, why are you saying <laughs> yeah. that? Weird on a lot of fronts that he said that. One, why do you want to have a pen thrown at you? And two, don't 
on television criticise the way your coach coaches the team. Yeah, just... I don't know, odd from Devon. That's gone under the radar a little bit. It really has. <laughs> no one watches the show, it's on. Yeah, yeah. My number three, this one is an extended rant from Mark Robertson that I really suggest you check <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. I've got this at two, you have to watch it. <laughs> it I, I'm not going to be able to do it justice, but we've got the three, the first three lines of his rant. <laughs> he does his dramatic pauses, deep breaths, looks really angry, goes... Why is McKenna going back to Ireland for his brother's wedding? Why are people whiting their hair? <laughs> Why? Where is the culture at? <laughs> and then he goes into this, like, for him, very, like, legible, understandable rant. Somewhat, with some decent yeah. points about the history of the club since Sheedy left and all that kind of thing. And then he goes back to it and just says, <laughs> it's too not good enough, it's uncaring <laughs> there's just so much that's he starts wrong with, with this nuffy rant about people whiting their hair and questions he answers himself about McKenna going to yeah, Ireland to go to his brother's wedding yes <laughs> and then just cracks the shit with the caring not caring yeah, they're, they're uncaring I don't think that's a word Robbo he was trying to find he tried so hard to find the there right word there was such a dramatic pause <laughs> while he looked for it I just love watching those rants because he's like he's literally sitting there losing his mind and you have Jared, the most calm sensible person just sitting there just nodding his head yep all right fair enough fair enough <laughs> i just thought it was just absolute textbook robo so i had it at two i just enjoyed watching it, it was so, so much. good <laughs> yeah well we've had my two and one so it's just you wait what was your two and one your two uh, was brad hill, brad hill premiership and, and then under 18 so. one was uh timmy watson okay well my number one it had to be this one <laughs> nick rewald who he's really good in the media i've been yeah. super impressed with him his takes are always good he's, this one. he's come out with sam frost yes the snowman the dumbest footballer I have ever seen grace the MCG. My favourite Melbourne He player. says he is Melbourne's best defender. <laughs> when we have thrown millions of dollars at two extremely good defenders so you have last couple of years. Plus Jack we have Lever, Neville who's been all Australia. <laughs> yeah. That's not, not even from... Yeah, yeah Lever, who has been I an all-Australian. I think he did say key yeah. defender, to be fair. But I don't know if he did, to be honest. But either way, we've got Lever. We've got Stephen May. And since May's come back, our backline has looked so much better. He has made a massive difference to our backline. <laughs> and Sam Frost, who is just... He's just an idiot. Yeah, no, you're right. Just best defender. Frost's... <laughs> Ability in a contest at times can be can be really good because he's so athletic and he's quite desperate. But he's too dumb. He makes everyone else worse because he just cannot understand how a game of football works. Yeah, he doesn't offer much on the intercept and he offers negatives when he's got the ball in Yeah, hand. I mean, he'll run, 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 run and it'll look good and then he'll turn it over. Yeah. I love him so much. He's my favourite <laughs> player. Come on, Rue. You're better than that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, that's our combined segment. I thought it went well. I'm pretty exhausted, to be honest. Yeah, that you? was emotionally draining. So let's get <laughs> to the uh, games. Hawthorne defeated GWS by 56 uh, points in what will forever be known as the snow game. Yeah, did you hear, Banjo? Apparently there was some snow during the game. I, Sorry, what was it? Are you updated on that? There was some snow that fell oh, on really? Friday was night during the, the footy game. Yeah, I hear it was. And uh, uh, I think Clarko, was, he went out in shorts or something. That's yeah. pretty impressive. He's yeah. really tough. <laughs> That's, has anyone actually I mean, talked about this game? No. It's just all Oh, no, there's snow. been a lot of how shit GWS were. Yeah. They, they were the first of the, the embarrassments for the round, which was actually a quote from Leon Cameron himself that he said they were embarrassed with their yeah. performance. Well, probably fair enough. When you look at it a little more holistically, though, 
<laughs> Do you look at their outs in their midfield this week? It's a better midfield than about eight other clubs have in total. Kelly's not back yet, is he? Kelly's not back. Canelio's yeah. out. Hopper was out. DeBoer oh, was yeah, out. Oh, yeah, Hopper was out. He was a late out, wasn't he, Hopper? Yeah, he was. yeah. <laughs> So pretty much their midfield has gone from being one of the deepest midfields of star talent to being just Taranto. Oh, and Toby Green. And, and Zach Williams. Uh, yeah, is, but, it still seems all right. Yeah, but Toby Green and Zach Williams, ideally, although they have been good since they got on the midfield, ideally you do want them playing other positions because yeah. they, they can play those other positions quite well. They've been brought in out of necessity, really. Yeah, and both of them have been awesome up until this week. But. So, I mean, in terms of the... what, what there oh, have been Ward. They're missing more. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there have been odd games this year. Occasional games this year. Two of them happen to be against GWS where Hawthorne have just managed to absolutely strangle yeah. the team and teams have just not been able to get through them. Well, when you look at the stats are okay. Uh, yeah, 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 fair enough. They just haven't been scoring, yeah. yeah. But um, their GWS's, when GWS's midfield group is out like that, the way that they're going to move the ball forward, the only way they're going to move the ball forward is basically relying on Lockie Whitfield's kicking to be absolutely Finlayson incredible. and Himmelberg as well? I don't know, were they? I think so. Both they're definitely them. missing Finlayson. I think they might have, like, absolutely. And now they've got uh, Deledio out as well. Their injury list, it hadn't been that big an issue all year, but now it just looks like this time every year for GWS. Where yeah. They have a really good team that can't play. They've, yeah, right now it feels like, in terms of their ball movement, which often for them, you say it relies on talent. I say there's a lot more system involved in it. So a lot of the time, though, it is a real like contest thing, and they're really good with their hands, and they get some real overlap runners, yeah. and they, 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 they push forward like that. That midfield group that is so good at sort of gut running, they're, they're, they're gone. And right now, exist. their ball movement is Lockie Whitfield. Let's just yeah, hope that Zach you Williams. hit an incredible kick at some yeah. point. And yeah, Williams doing some like bursting out of a pack or something. Right now, it does feel very, very talent-based. Yeah, it's and hard to watch because you just know how much better they can be. And, and when they play a team like Hawthorne, who are so well-drilled, it mm. does really stand out that this is a team who they don't have someone to kind of fall back on. Yeah, I. it's, it's such a disappointing performance from GWS, but you kind of look at it. It's not in, like, I don't... I find it hard when I cool down about it to hold it against them that much with all those injuries you talk about, with it being probably the worst matchup in the league for the way they play, with trying to force stuff with talent, which yeah. is my way of saying it, but they're not having their best players there. If there's a team you don't want to have to like rely on your worst players to get the job done for you, it's probably Hawthorne. Because either them or Geelong, they're the two teams that really yeah, make you struggle. Yeah, that's fair. I, su- I suppose with GWS, it's just this keeps happening. We keep yeah. getting to this stage of the season, being like, "Look, they're too injured. They haven't quite got it together. Or they looked good for a while, but you know, they're not. They're not going to quite get there." And like, as I've to said, be I, honest, though, I don't think their club is in that much of a great position, really. Yeah. And they've had a lot of talent. They've had a really good team their together for a while. Is less than Gold Coast, I think. Yeah, but they like that's we're wasting that now. We yeah. are losing. The, these are all years in which they could cash in, get some success and that's where the club can yeah, build, build out some from sustainability they're, they're, these are all just going by going by and i feel like it's possible in five years time we'll look back on it and be like well that was their chance they cooked it now their club's in a lot of trouble yeah um i really see that happen the only thing is they've got draft picks for every person that's ever left and it just seems to churn over yeah um, like, yeah to an Trelaw extent left they got to rent but their list is looking weaker and weaker by the year yeah and the point i wanted to make is this is the this year has been the year where the peaks have been the lowest. When we've said they've looked good, they haven't looked like the best comp- team in the competition, which is probably the first time their best football hasn't looked like that. Like, at no point have we gone, yeah, they're a real 
premiership contender, we've gone, yeah, they could make top four. And I think that's a big step down for them. And yeah, that okay. would be really worrying for me if I was GWS. Yeah, okay. And it, like, in the scheme, like it seems like a small step down. But yeah, but when you really look at it in the context yeah. of everything, as I've said, when when things drop for GWS, I'm worried that it'll drop quite dramatically. And this might be just that first little step and then things could fall yeah, out. You talk of, there's a lot of talk about Victorian clubs that can't afford to bottom out. People say that about North quite a lot. I think yeah. I might believe that with GWS. Uh, yeah, yeah, very like, much so. I would, at worst, want to be like fourth last if I was GWS. I would not want to get in the bottom three again for a long time just because... The, the club just doesn't have the structure around no. it. At the moment, they are relying on having a successful team to have some positivity around that club. If that goes, I don't know what they have left. And yeah. that, that's what's scary about them. There's a pr- pretty serious conversation to have about the cost they have to pay for their off-field infrastructure being a lot higher than Melbourne clubs. And I think that contributes to it. Mm. It's relocation costs and everything. And with a cap on football department spending, I think it makes it difficult for them. But with that putting downward pressure on their ability to beef up that kind of stuff, it's hard to see them being able to address it anytime soon. Yeah, I've said for quite a while, I am worried about the long term of GWS. Um, something I should... Last week, I managed to elaborate a little bit on a couple of Hawthorne players because oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, we forgot the f- we've forgotten about talking about Hawthorne for no, a lot of the year. we haven't forgotten. We've actively chosen not to. <laughs> True. But there is one player who I probably neglected to mention who we probably should and probably should have talked about him all year. Yeah, <laughs> Warple. We have not talked about him he enough. He was one game away from being Rising Star eligible. His, you put his stats next to Sam Walsh. Yeah. His stats are on another level, really. For yeah. a, a, is, is it's his second, second year. year, second year player. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, he's averaging about twenty-five, twenty-six touches. He's getting a lot of contested possessions, a lot a of clearances. He's kicking goals from time to time. He's setting up goals. He has been really, really impressive this year. Yeah, and he sort of stagnated. He had a rougher patch in the middle of the year. He started out like a house on fire, but he is coming home like a steam train. Yeah. His last few weeks have just been so good, and they absolutely need it because Amir has sort of been a bit down the last, or mostly all year, really, and they haven't had Tom Mitchell. They just don't have anyone else who can do the job, and he has stood up in the best way possible for Hawthorne. And they've got like two or three kids, which is such an improvement over where they were a year yeah, ago. Yeah, they, they still don't have a lot. But... No, it's like him and Mitch Lewis. Yeah, and Lewis is showing some really good signs. Yeah, and I think a positive for them as well, which I mentioned last week, because I think Wingard's starting to show something now. He's given some time in the midfield. So yeah, the I'm there. actually quite. I'd be quite happy with how Wingard's finished the year if I was yeah. him. But let's move on because that was a very centered discussion about a nothing game. Yeah, yeah. Brisbane defeat. Nothing. Wasn't <laughs> Brisbane, this Green one Jack. is a nothing game, and why wasn't it in Gold Jack? Oh Green no, Liam. Brisbane defeated Gold Coast by 91 points in the Pineapple Grapple, the best named game in the competition, but. <laughs> Q clash, Matt. Pineapple grapple. The point being is Gold Coast have lost three out of five games by 90 points. So this is not an interesting margin for them. Why wasn't it in Gold Jag, Green Jagged? I, I respect your questions, have Banjo. You, have I you will respond to, to the them. pressure from Dan Crowley, who's called you out no, for no, interstate no, 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 bias. No. You didn't <laughs> want to put a two interstate teams no, in Gold no, Jag, Green no, Jagged. No. You have gotten soft. No, you have gotten soft. No, no, Banjo. Let's strip out the discussion of talking about what it means for how good the teams are and how well the teams play. Yeah, there was a bit of fun there. There was Charlie Cameron kicking six, which is always good to watch. Yeah. A lot of Brisbane players cashing in, and that's all good and well. Quick question uh, before you go on. Is Charlie Cameron kicking six goals the most fun player kicking six goals in the league? Yeah, well, if it's Eddie Betts, five of them are from the goal square. <laughs> um... 
I'm trying to think of who who else is in that he, equation, but yeah, quite possibly. Maybe not to go. He's maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. But that happened. We know Charlie Cameron's good. I'm not saying that means anything. I'm not saying the fact that Brisbane won by 91 points means anything. But what it does mean, Banjo, is it means that that is big, big, big for their percentage, and that really That's true. means the implications something. Are, yeah, okay. I'm looking at it now. I suspect Bris- I will be tipping Brisbane to beat Geelong next week in Brisbane. If they do that, they are well and truly in the box seat to be finishing top two, and that is the most exciting thing that could happen for this season because I think we're looking at it and we're thinking look it's probably going to be Richmond it's going to be West Coast Brisbane are that wild card who are in there and we don't quite know but if they finish top two like they are a real wild card and they will yeah. challenge those teams they might be in a grand final and that changes the complexion of this season that's fair analysis but the actual game means so little <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I'm not going to draw a lot but out I guess of- implications plus occasion points yeah, I did give it some occasion points. I didn't give it a five like oh, I did like the showdown. Serious? I think I gave it a three or something. Actually, Gets a little high. bit. Um, some, somewhat of a rival. Do you have any takeaways from the game? <laughs> no, not really. Look, I, I, I did watch the uh, the back end of it as a bit of a fun to see how much Cameron yeah. could, could cash in. Uh, Lions is still just going to town. And uh, Mitch Robinson, someone who's probably going under the radar a little bit. The, the commentary... Watching the game, the commentators were absolutely... He's a lot of fun, Frothing him. Yeah, that, I think they described him as like the heart and soul of the club at some point. And stuff that like that. That would make sense. Which, yeah, he, he, he must be a terrible bloke. But <laughs> he plays with severe spirit. And, like, he's kicking a lot of goals at the moment. He keeps playing on the wing, a providing... A out. Yeah, that was a crack like goal. He's pretty quiet. He's quite clean as well for a player who's that hard at. He's not like Viney who's just a bull and just fumbles it and turns it over. Like, he's actually quite clean Can you clean imagine well. five years ago if you'd said... Uh, compared Mitch Robinson <laughs> to Viney and clearly favoured Mitch Robinson. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough, Ben. That I'll, must I'll be give you soul that. destroying. For I'll you. give you that. I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but uh, yeah, they're, look, they're really tough and they're playing real consistent footy. And right now, top two finish. One of on my favourite. One of my favourite things when they were talking, commentators were talking about Mitch Robinson was one of them said. Uh, he's run a best and fairest up here, so you know he's unreal. That was the year four people won their best and fairest. That was a farce. That <laughs> just like, it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's like Beam, Zorko, Robinson, and so- maybe Harris Andrews all won the best and fairest. It's just like, can, that's can not I, a good I quickly want to say, we have talked about it plenty, but like, my God, Harris Andrews is a good player. Like, you could just tell when the, when the opposition are trying to move the ball inside 50, you can see their mind is around, let's just try to not kick it to Harris Andrews. Yeah. And the Gold Coast did it way too much. Um, and he just, the thing is, he wins one-on-one, and then he still offers support for the others as well. He's not like, well, like, Rance was kind of like, he played very, very loose and just tried to help out everywhere. Well, often Harris Andrews will be on the best forward yeah he will be plays, beating him as well as offering that support. He, he plays a more strictly accountable role than either mcgovern or yeah rands and i'm not i'm not entirely sure if that's us looking at the fact that he's staying closer to home and judging that and then not giving credit to rands and mcgovern's judgment for being able to peel off at the right time yeah or if it's a real coaching decision but god he's he's just a fantastic spoil not something you should really ram home and talk about too much. <laughs> nah, his arms are just fantastically long. Yeah. The amount of balls he gets his hand to, yeah. you just don't think he's got the length to. It's Dustin Fletcher-esque in a lot of ways. Yeah. They're telescopic. He's, yeah, his influence on Brisbane this year has been just Yeah, and he's enormous. 22 or something. He's going to be massive for that club for so long. He yep. is one of the reasons that club has turned around. Yeah, for sure. He's in their leadership group, so he's obviously offering a lot 
Yeah, um, I, I don't. I don't think it does get talked about enough. Um, like we'll, we'll, I've heard a lot about like Lockie Neal, and then their midfield's mm. really good. Um, then you talk about the small forwards and all of that stuff. Hipwood. Quite often, Harris Andrews does get forgotten. Well, he's probably Gardner's the biggest thing that's too. happened. Yeah, they're, true. Like, he's a good key defender. They, so they have a really good one-two punch with those guys. Yeah, yeah their defense is not talked about anywhere near enough. Yeah. And I guess it's because it's the same defense that used to get cut up. And what's changed is the midfield. But what's changed is the midfield has finally. It's the first time in 15 years they've been a positive in contested possessions. For yeah, year. yeah. So okay. their midfield yeah. is finally giving some pressure and winning the contest, and they're not just getting hammered. Yeah, which gives the defense in. a chance to stand up. Yeah, yeah, so it's not like the defense. The defense actually was probably pretty good there last year, the def- personnel at least, and they've just finally gotten a structure that allows them to yep. really show off. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they are. <laughs> it's exciting, Banjo. Let's move on to the the big, the biggest, most interesting game of the round for some weird reason. <laughs> yeah, Western Bulldogs defeated Essendon by 104 points. First 100-point mar- margin of the year. Gold Coast had a lot of shots at it, but managed to avoid this. Uh, <laughs> managed to avoid the indignity of this. Uh, it would have been the first year we hadn't had a 100-point margin since the 70s. <laughs> I actually find the 104 points to be actually quite disappointing in turn. Like the, it was watching, so it, much more it for was so worse than that. <laughs> yeah, and it was like... The, Obviously, the thing which everyone will hang their hat on and what it'll be remembered for was the 21 goals in a row, which is just utterly absurd. That is unfathomable. That, yeah. like, I can't comprehend. So I was watching the North game because, yeah, obvious reasons, and didn't have it on. And then you just sort of... It didn't really click what was going on until it was like 100 to 6. And then you just look at it and go, how is this possible? Yeah. <laughs> the, from an Essen point of view, it is, it is quite hard to to analyze because there are these games when they are just so effortless and so yeah. spiritless that you can't analyze their structure or the way yeah, they're trying GWSO to play because they're just exact same yeah yeah it was it's smashed. just it's just disgraceful so all that all that you really do is look at it and think of well they have to address it now and then we have to see what their response is next week and if they do get back playing with a bit of spirit and a bit of energy again but the fact that it happens this late in the season when they're playing for a spot on the finals yeah. against a yeah. finals contender themselves in the dogs that's not i don't think you can go we've got to review it and we can never let it like that's a big black mark on that club or this team like i don't think it's something you can just brush away and say we've got to make it an aberration like that, that's what they have they've got to treat it internally but i don't think us judging them should look at it as aberration it's a real indictment on that football club yeah they they need they need to look at it they definitely need to look at it and they need to look at some of those efforts and they need to to try to get to the bottom of why these, why the effort can be that bad, and how it John was, Wolf's too passive. <laughs> it was that bad in round one. Like, there's been a couple of performances where it's just been utterly insipid from Essendon. Like, yeah. well, what is the reason for that? There has to be these players don't not care. There has to be some reason for why it's happening, and that's what they have to get to the bottom to. It's not so. It's not so bottom of. Not. It's not so much <laughs> a. Um, yeah, let's analyse this passage of play and the fact you put in no effort. It has to be, why are you doing this? Like, explain it to us. Yeah, they're just an interesting case because they are hammered by injuries, but it seems like every second club is at this point. So, And they're the only one performing this badly. So it's just... I, I don't really know with this, and I'm given up trying to read them. Instead, I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. Because I hate <laughs> From the dog's point of view, it was pretty, pretty damn impressive. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, is this the most impressive performance of the year? 
Yeah, oh yeah, it would have to be. And it's kind of been bubbling along. They've been a lot better the last one, two months. Yeah. And they, yeah, they've been playing probably pretty well. As soon as Caleb well. Daniel went out. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. They'd have, they'd have, they've been playing like good football, really. But then this this did go In to a new honesty, level. They of, found a settled side, which I think is a big contributor to it. They, uh, they found something that's worked and they're really working it instead of chopping and changing. I think that really held them back for a long time. I would hope for their sake that they build on this instead of once the magic goes, try and fiddle with it. I think they need to give this team playing this way a chance because it works really well. Dunkley in the midfield's been fantastic all year. Oh yeah, McRae and the and Bond are two of the best. 20 you see, Kingy said they were the best midfield in the competition. I noticed you didn't put it in your uh, Kane Corns calls, so you no, must have like, thought there was some credence to I it. I don't think it's ridiculous. <laughs> like I don't agree with it. I thought I they think. were going to get the spoon though. Uh, no, so they could. Um, which, mathematically? <laughs> it's, uh, it's ruled out now. <laughs> um, no, they, their midfield is fantastic. Their one-two might be the best in the competition. Bond and McRae. Yep. Given Bond might be the best player in the competition. He's, yeah, he's in the equation. And yep. McRae is probably in um, the second tier of midfielders. Quite possibly the most underrated player in the competition. Yeah, he's right very up much there. there. Dunkley, if this form holds, mm-hmm. is an elite midfielder. He's as good as the other two almost. And then the they've got playing. supporting midfielders like Hunter, who racks the ball up. Not particularly damaging, but he's a good sort of filler midfielder. Yeah, when he's not the person you're relying on. Yeah, you can throw in McLean if you want. Lipinski plays through there. Like They've got a lot of really interesting midfielders. and. Mm. Yeah, I, I. It's not the deepest in the world, but its top end is so good. And they're they're interesting to watch as well. The dogs. When you watch a dogs game, it's it's different. It's it's not the same as all the other teams are no. playing. Well, when you sit down and watch a bulldogs game, you have a different air about what you're going to be watching because they play a really, they they feed off energy and it's a real sort of scrap. Yeah, the fascinating thing about them is. When it works like it did on Saturday night, it looks inevitable the way they move the ball. Yeah. It just looks like it is Happened going... for a month, a couple of years yeah. ago. <laughs> it just looks like the ball is going to go from one end to the other and just get to the goals. Yeah. And the only question is whether or not they kick straight. But when it works, God, it looks inept. And it's just... I think I'll, I probably read too much into that, into the bad side of it. I was... Yeah, look, I'll admit I was a bit critical of that. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but... When you watch games like that, that, that was irresistible football. And you cannot say enough about how good they were. As bad as Essendon were, you do have to... You can't get too negative because the dogs were amazing. Anyway, speaking about being positive about the dogs, Banjo, it's oh, time... Sorry, can I just interrupt and say one more thing? Do you have to? I think Tim English won at the Ruck Contest. Oh, did he? Oh, I mean, he's <laughs> up against... Not the hit-outs, it. but the overall Ruck Contest. Did he lose the hit-outs to Zach Clark? <laughs> I don't think he did. He didn't lose the hit-outs to Zach Clark. He's... <laughs> Terrible. He's a shocking ruckman. But anyway, that's enough, Tim English. He's a rare. We'll think he won around the ground. <sighs> Banjo, it's time. To 20, nearly got doubled. <laughs> Jesus. He's terrible. How do people not pick up on this? That's just, this is going to blow my mind for years, to be honest. But anyway, Banjo, we're moving on a bit more positivity. It's time for our other segment. It's Billy Gower's Watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. Billy, Billy, Billy. Look, I finally let you go with your segment. I interrupted you about five times before you got it out. <laughs> what did he do? Yeah, look, he played in the VFL again, Banjo. and uh, well, They didn't want to demoralise Essendon too much. <laughs> <laughs> he, he put up a performance which was 
quite reminiscent to what his performance are normally like in so the So he just uh, plays the, the same no matter what level. <laughs> it seems like it. Uh, he had five kicks. He had eight handballs, two marks, four tackles. So that, that was a bit higher yeah. than his tackle count normally is. And kicked one goal straight is what he did. He wasn't named in the best. He wasn't mentioned in the VFL uh, report for the dog. So look, they're probably just keeping Secret him under the weapon. radar. Yeah, yeah, people can't might forget about Billy. They might just yeah push him under the radar a little bit, get his form back up, and then unleash him if they make finals. It Maybe that's the he plan. He was their leading goal kicker last year. Yeah, he was. Well, I mean, he still only kicked like twenty six. Yeah, it <laughs> was it twenty six. <laughs> yep, that's no, a great number. I know though. that number off the top of my head. <laughs> but anyway, let's get to Poochie's mailbag. Uh, we're doing it. We forgot to ask for questions. I asked Pooch for questions. He didn't get back to me, so we made up our own questions. <laughs> yeah, sending in our own questions. So obviously, there's a a couple of obvious ones which come in if we're sending in our own questions. Banjo, uh, when's the Josh Kelly party happening? Uh, TBD. You told me like weeks ago that it was nearly happening. Yeah, I need to find a date. I need to look at the calendar. You said that months ago. Yeah, and then I didn't look at the calendar. So we'll look at the calendar. We'll do it. We'll look at the calendar after tonight. You better. Courtney's in the room, my girlfriend, so we can workshop with her. Yeah, we can find a suitable yeah. time. Uh, second question, Banjo. Uh, why does Scott call you Banjo? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't asked this in years. No, you haven't. Because you've uh, refused to answer it on the yeah, pod. Yeah, I'm not you going know. to answer it. Okay, well, um, if anyone comes to your if wedding, you choose to answer they will it, know because I'm telling the story. And <laughs> if you choose to answer it, it'll get edited out because I have editorial right. control. I'll, a- I'll answer it at your wedding. So all of our listeners will you get invited. You don't have a working laptop. You can't have the podcast <laughs> on your thing. So bad luck. Uh, all right, Banjo. What are the actual questions? Uh, we kind of half... <laughs> Talked around this earlier, but what did you think of Clarko's pregame lap? Topless, just showing his machismo. Yeah, so he's what he's trying to do a big, the biggest wear, alpha move I've ever we're seen. A, we're a macho team. We wear short sleeves, crap like that. I don't really give a toss. I don't think it means anything. I, I don't think it, it did so anything. So stupid. I think if you were the opposition and you were, if it was mentioned to I would you be by a player, at him. yeah, I'd be like. Just play how you feel comfortably. I couldn't give a toss what sleeves you have on as long as you play well. As someone who gets quite cold. I am so in favour of long sleeves. I just, if you want to wear long sleeves, wear long sleeves. If Ruffy you feel com- long sleeves. Play the way that you feel comfortable. Yeah, like, who gives a shit? Yeah, and the fact that they won will probably be talked yeah, about that's, as if that's, it was a that's master That's the only move, thing that annoys me. <laughs> they won, so it worked, which I don't think it had any impact on of the result. Of course it had no impact on the result. Look at his defensive structures, not about his pre-game lap. Yes, exactly. Next one. Should Gil McLaughlin be commenting on player movement? He recently said he uh, would... Very much like Cornelio to stay in GWS. I think what I'd say about that, Banjo, I don't think it was so much commenting on player movement in that I want this player to go to this club or whatever. I think he's just making... uh, I haven't actually listened to it. You have to listen to it in context. Yeah, I read the comments. He was very specifically talking about Cornelio. No, but was it meant to be a thing that they were talking about him? He said, I like to see him say GWS because I like um, loyalty in football. No, he was asked about Cornelio specifically and only Cornelio. And he was like, I want him to stay at GWS. For what reason did he give? He didn't give one. Have you listened to it? I've read their quotes. I'd like to listen to it. Okay. I feel like the context around him. I'm very surprised if he's saying I want him to be a GWS because I, I want GWS to succeed. absolutely ridiculous that the CEO of the AFL is actively barracking for results, which is what that is. I doubt that's what the he's doing. The only team I would not be offended by if they did that for would be the Gold Coast because they are such a basket case they need help. Everyone else, just he should be leaving well enough alone. Just get out of the way and let the competition run. You have enough problems with integrity already. The fixtures fucked. Everything's like so many things are wrong with the league. Stop weighing in on things you shouldn't weigh in on. 
All right, Banjo. I'd like to listen to it a bit more closely first, but all right. A couple all right. more questions before we move on back onto the football. Uh, did you hear it snowed on Friday? Did it really? Yeah. Well, like during the game. Yeah, during the game, during the game. It actually snowed, did They caught it on camera too. Um, oh, yeah. I, I know I hadn't heard about it. Didn't hear it got. Didn't think it got talked about. So I thought I'd bring that up. Okay, all right. And uh, lastly, <laughs> are Australia going to win the Ashes? Uh, like right now, I would have us as favourite. Yes, yeah. I mean winning in the a ground which we don't generally win. Going to the Very next favorable. test at a ground when we do normally win at Lords, uh, I would say that the the momentum is definitely with Australia. Oh, that's at the good moment, to hear. So. That's good to hear. So what I was doing there was delaying the inevitable because the next game we've got to talk about <laughs> is Geelong defeated North by fifty five points and. That would normally be really disheartening. But what <laughs> the scoreline was, was 69 to 14. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, it was a masterful defensive performance, wasn't it? By what, like Scott and the team. Probably the team more than anything. It was a brilliant defensive yeah, it performance. Was, they structured up and structured up particularly well. They smashed us in the contest, so they had the ability to push their defense really high and intercept in very favourable positions. And then our ball use was goddamn awful. There were yeah. just... A lot of, of credit goes to the defensive oh, structures as well, yeah. Some of our switches, we just kicked the ball out of bounds while trying to execute... <laughs> lovely. Yep. <laughs> while trying to execute just a basic switch. It was diabolical. And look, we should have had two goals. Uh, Razor Ray has come out and said he got one wrong five metres out directly in front. Should have got been a free kick to Zeeble. But you know it's bad when I'm saying we should have got two goals. <laughs> <laughs> You're still getting angry about the little things, though, aren't you? Look, what, what, his, what do you? His commentary on it was f- hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to uh, this piece of analysis, Banjo? So since uh, Reshaw took over, the the way that you've been playing has been a it, it's been quite a simple game, really. You've been yeah. great at the contest, long kicking, a lot of boundary line kicking, sort of kicking down the line and backing yourself to win each contest. Yeah. When you're playing against Geelong, they managed to set up so well ahead of the ball that that long kick, they, they'd clogged it off. They'd clogged you off on the switch as well. You're not... The way in which most teams would get through that, it would be probably that rugby scrum sort of style yeah. of the quick handballs and getting it through that way, which hasn't been the way that you've been playing recently. And perhaps that's the thing which kind of strangled you out. And just, so, I mean, just watching it, you yeah. look legless going forward. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. So we got smashed in the contest, which... If your game's built on winning the contest. Yeah, which hasn't been happening since you took over, yeah. Yeah, um, so that's one thing. The uncharitable way of reading that is he didn't coach well at all, shouldn't be our coach, all that jazz. Well, it's not so much that. Should have rushed his appointment. No, no, what I will say is like maybe he is a good coach and maybe it was just a bad coaching performance, whatever, and whatever you're about to say. But can I just quickly say, the problem with it is before making the decision, you would have liked to have seen this and see what his response is next week. Yeah, like maybe Can you I'm, find still ways very, around I'm still very comfortable with where the, the thing I would say. So we had a game plan that was very intricate and very uh, complicated. And it was about short possessions to break through zones and stuff. It didn't work. We paired that back because it didn't work. But Reshaw has not had time to build a developed game that's plan. That's true. That's so true. So I think what he's done is simplified that game plan. And I don't think simple game plans work against Ge- side the structures up as well as Geelong do. It worked against Hawthorne the week before because their midfielders got awful. 
and you can just win the contest enough to make it work. But we struggled against that side as well. Like, we did not penetrate their defensive zone very easily. It was just weight of numbers by the end of it. When you don't have that against a team as good as Geelong and a team that has such good intercept marks and it was wet, which just made it worse for us because we couldn't be remotely clean with our disposal, it just it collapsed. But, yeah, I would say, but that's the problem with appointing a caretaker coach. Or not, not appointing a caretaker coach, but falling into this idea of the caretaker coach's coaching well at the moment we're winning therefore appointing because because as you say he hasn't had the chance to develop an actual game plan every idea you're going to get about a different senior coach you the only way you're going to get an idea of what they they would do with a full preseason is in an interview he was interviewed so if we're comfortable he wasn't compared to other interviews is the issue if we are comfortable... I, mean, I think if you hear one interview from a very smart man who knows football very well, you're always going to think, this guy smashed it out of the park and he's the man for the job. It's when you compare it to the other smart individuals who are also applying for the job that you might realise he's not quite as good as the other options I out just there. look at the candidates and I don't particularly... <laughs> maybe. And maybe... I'm not saying it was the wrong decision, but I think he sh- they should have taken a bit more time with it. No, I'm comfortable with the timeline. But anyway, I think that's all we need to say on the game. Yep, I agree. Oh, I thought you were going to push back on that. I was just rushing it. Uh, St. Gilda defeated Fremantle by three points. A couple of big stories out of this. Return of Hannibry and Stephen, who both played very well. That was the biggest story, yeah. And then there's been just a lot of talk about Ross's future. So which one do you want to lead with? Well, I mean, the Ross's future's been bubbling along for a while. I don't think it's been... It's probably just because he played his old team that it's really been talked about. Has it really been sparked that much this week? I feel like it's been going at the same level it's been for a while. I've heard a lot more about it in sort of local media, in Melbourne media, than I have while it's been bubbling along. It's been going on in Perth for ages. They've been out to get him for a long time. Yeah, it's funny. No one seems to have a real grip on it because sometimes you hear a thing of people don't want him there and they're trying to force him out and then other times it's a conversation of does Ross want to leave is he yeah. going to leave and I don't think they really have a grip on where the situation's actually at I think it's people looking at the results going this isn't what we expect from Ross this hasn't been his long like his career up until these last four years was about as good as you can get it probably was the best resume you could have with that with yes, the premiership yeah. and because it's dropped off there's just a lot of conjecture about what why it's dropped off yeah. do the players not like him does he want to leave is, what's just gone wrong yeah. I think that's driven it a lot and then this fear around the Kirsten thing Kirsten leaving because he was on bad terms with Ross Lyon there's also like it sounds right. almost certain Hill's going I'm pretty yeah. certain Langdon's going so that, that's worrying every single player like you it's just impossible with 40 guys there are 20 players that don't play every week in the ones. But to them, for them to hate you to that level, yeah. that you're prepared to leave the club, that's worrying. Yeah. But like, we don't know if that's true at all. So, I don't know. This The Ross conjecture I find fascinating, but I don't really have anything to add to it. Yeah. It's yeah. more, it's one where I just... I. I I just want to sit back at him. I feel like no one knows at the moment. No. And there's a lot of chatter, but no one really and even, knows. And even the chatter happening. coming out about player movement, we won't know that until we... No, yeah. at the end of the year. So at the moment, it all seems very inevitable. But again, we will have yeah. no idea. Yeah. Uh, but let's get to St Kilda. The positive story, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Jack Stephen and Hannibal were awesome. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's mate. If I think of the thing that sums up the two of those players, I mean, from Stephen's side of things, he's very explosive, very quick player. Yeah. He's also an incredible gut runner who covers yeah. a lot of ground. Hannibury, his number one asset is his gut running. And yeah. it's funny for two blokes who are probably not conditioned to the level they should to be. play so well is incredible. Like, Stephen's fat. Yeah. Hannibury, I suspect, isn't his fitness levels aren't quite I, to that level. I don't level. think he'd be confident striding out properly at this point. 
Like, I think he would be yeah. taking short steps, not out of fear or anything like that, but a fear of, well, a fear, but of yes. tearing his hamstring more than anything. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, yeah. it's Can he push himself up and down the ground? Probably not, but he's still getting 27 touches a yeah, game. Yeah, it's amazing the two players whose weapons are... Like endurance or yeah. gut running or being able to cover the ground, who can't yeah. do that to the level Getting they used to, are doing is what that. They do well. Yeah, <laughs> it it probably speaks to their talent that we might have underrated their other abilities a little bit when they're at their peak. Yeah, some players are just that good. Yeah. they can just find a way. Yeah. I reckon Hanabry is yeah probably tougher than we ever give him credit for, more skilled than we give him credit for, yeah. and smarter than we give him credit for. And yeah. Steven is so much stronger than I ever gave him credit for. And maybe it's just because he's fat and he looks stronger now. But <laughs> I saw him win one-on-ones, uh, one-on-one marking contests that I have no memory of him winning yeah. in the past. I, sp- I suppose if you if you look at Steven's side of things, he although he had the Steven traits that we've yeah. seen, he did do it in a bit of a different way. Like he played forward a lot and there was, was a lot of just burst. winning one-on-one contests yeah. and doing it on the burst. But yeah, well, it wasn't repeat efforts well, in the Hanabry same way. It was just, just, just Hanabry. Yeah, he just he covered everywhere. the ground, got to every contest and that did what Hanabry he does. That goal he kicked where he spoiled, where I'm back with the flight, spoiled, brought it to ground and then be, picked the ball up and in about a third of a second, banana to through from 30 out while he was getting tackled. That was just incredible. Yeah. Like, that is talent and St Kilda have sorely missed that so it's good to see them have players that can really give them an edge and yeah with that those guys coming back I know Stevens seems like he'll leave yeah and Hanabry we, we don't know if you his body's going to hold up for any period if, of time if, like, yeah. if they're there and they give some actual support to the youth guy I'm so impressed with Hunter Clark. I haven't shut up about him for a month like yes I, I really like the look of him and now I can't even be talking about my fantasy side is the reason why because <laughs> i got eliminated um <laughs> certainly did yeah he's just he looks like he's gonna be good even caulfield has some absolute stinking moments but overall mm. looks reasonably composed max king's gonna come in and they talk about him's great yeah like guys like josh bruce are fine if they have some talent around them, they'll be good players. Yeah, well, I think Bruce has made a big difference to them this year. The fact yeah. that he's come back in and he's played some consistent footy. He's surprisingly footy. short, Josh Bruce. Is he now? Yeah, yeah. just an he's, aside. He plays like a tall. But anyway, that's enough on that game, I think, Banjo. We're moving yeah, on to the final game. On. West Coast defeated Adelaide by 10 points. Surprisingly good game, this. I thought Adelaide would had got to the point of being listless. But yeah, potentially pants. Probably also expected to be a bit more low scoring than it was. Um, they played with a bit more spark that they've had for a little while, Adelaide, and really, really pushed West Coast right to the line. But as a good team does, they managed to get over the line. What was it 10 points in the end? So, um, like, it was, it was quite a close game, really, from, for most of the game Adelaide were in it. But they managed to keep him at an arm's length. Yeah, it was Adelaide. The 10 point margin is probably flat, flattering. It was. Five goals, and then Adelaide sort of came back late. And yeah. they did have a chance. It was two goals with five minutes left or something. So it wasn't it wasn't a dead game the entire yeah. way. Yeah. But, yeah, West Coast just keep chugging along. They, they're not sort of a juggernaut in the traditional sense. They haven't been blowing teams out, but they just don't look like anyone's getting near them every time they play. They just have a comfortable win, comfortable win, comfortable win against anybody. And Nick Nat's back training and looks like he might be back for finals. Like, yeah, they are having a right, good run at the right time. Yeah, it's, it's been a real, real gradual build from West yeah. Coast. It hasn't been linear. There's been ups and downs throughout the season, but it really does feel like they're coming out that and other end now. And when you look at it, they've won like 10 in a row Yeah, as I say, they finished top two, just, just lock them in. 
like lock them in for a grand final is, is how I feel about it. So, yeah, yeah they're, they're quite frightening. Uh, the main thing that's been talked about out of this game was Fogarty kicking, <laughs> kicking five goals. It did look really good. Real athleticism, mm. which I don't think anyone really realised that he had because he hasn't been playing. Yeah, and also he's probably seemed a little slow at times. And I wonder if that's reactions, not physical ability. Like, I think maybe mm. potentially he just hadn't got to the speed He certainly of the game. didn't look slow in some of the highlights packages. No, he was beating goals, people yeah. off the lead. Yeah. And that, the, the one goal he kicked that wasn't uh, a set shot was really impressive. He yeah. dodged two people, and I haven't seen that yeah. lateral ability from him, that agility from him, sorry. Yeah. It, it is a funny one, because they've had so many issues trying to fiddle with their forward line, and not until round 20, what is it, 19, yeah. round 20, this whatever is it is. They got a pick 12, and people thought he was going to be a top five pick the yeah. whole year. It's not until then they're like, oh, maybe we'll give Fogarty a go, see how he goes, and it works out pretty well. Yeah, he's beyond me that he's only played two games, but... That's easy to say when he kicks five in his second game. True. Like, there's every chance. I, I, when people talk about people playing too long in the VFL, we have no idea. We have no idea if him staying in the VFL, is the, or the Sandful in this case, is the reason he's kicked five in this game. If it's built up his confidence, if it's if built up his... Um, just sort of the way he thinks about yeah. his ability. Like we'll, we'll never know. Yeah, that. There's always two ways. So it'll be like um, last year, Angus Brayshaw not being yeah. picked for round one and playing VFL. If you want to be positive about it, you look at it at this thing of, well, he put in the VFL, he learned his lesson, and now mm. he's playing good football because of that. Where the yeah. negative side is, well, why the hell wasn't he in round one when he yeah. dominated for the rest of the year so much? There's always the two ways of looking at it. So I think there's a little bit of that going on with Fogarty. For Adelaide, they really need some youth to sort of lift their team up because mm. they're frighteningly old and yeah. guys like him and whoever they get with pick three or four or whatever they're going to get, they've got a chance to do it. Yeah, they're, it, they're, there's a lot coming out yeah. next year. There will be a lot leaving, being traded, retiring, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then probably even more the next year. Yeah, so They're not youthless, but they really need the kids they've got to step up. It's mm. Fogarty, it's Miller, and that might be it. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Uh, final question before we move on from this game, man. Just so with Adelaide sitting in eighth position at the moment and putting in quite a good performance this week, yeah. who, who do you have as your probably your final two spots? I really should have eighth? thought about this, but I haven't. Um. <laughs> it it does look like that uh, Port Adelaide are gonna gonna be in there, doesn't it? Yeah, well, they'd only really have to win one of the two, wouldn't they, to make it? Yeah, you'd think so with how good their percentage is, unless Adelaide and the Dogs both win out. Yeah, I, like. I don't know. I think one of the Adelaide teams is definitely going to make it. Yeah. I and then it's whether or not Essendon miss. I think Essendon will win one of their next two, which will be enough. Yeah. That there would be. Well, it could be. If Port win one or Port win two, I don't know. I'm yeah. not talking any sense. Yeah. I honestly don't know. And yeah. that's kind of fun. Well, I'm going to lock in uh, Port Adelaide and Essendon Banjo. They're going to be my two. No, oh, nice. I'll go Adelaide and the Dogs then. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Oh, you wouldn't be picking the Dogs to make it. But let's finish up, Banjo. I don't think that's mathematically possible, actually, because <laughs> they play each other. <laughs> Whatever. Let's, let's finish up, Banjo, with a bit of fun off our battle situations with unexpected handicaps. I went through this week, and I've got out all of the ones left, which we haven't done yet. There's two pretty controversial ones, uh, three quite boring ones, and one good one left. So we're so doing we're the good one. So we've got to have to find a new. Nah, we'll do the page. controversial ones next week. 
<laughs> They're quite funny. Uh, I might have to just say no comment. <laughs> here's the last good one left, Banjo. Jerry Seinfeld. I think he's been on it before. They mentioned him. It's no, no, it's no. Yeah, never mind. I'll explain what I was saying later. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld, but his fingers are six times regulation size and therefore limit his ability to make a clenched fist. So that's the major issue with that, Banjo. Yeah. Versus uh, Jerry Springer. He's the one that's been mentioned before. He's yes, got another he battle, been. yeah. But his eyelids droop down past his chin and are continuously impacting on his vision. Okay, so if his eyelids droop down past his chin, can he yes. open them? Theoretically, no, right? Uh, theoretically, no, I would say yes. I Unless would, he strains really yeah, hard. I would say no, which means so he kinda, as he wobbles from side to side, I think he'd get glimpses of vision. Oh, I was just going with him blind, so he's got to swing back and forth. No, it says continuously impacting his vision. I don't think they mean he's blind. It's Maybe he takes really long blinks because his eyelids have to go very far. Yeah, so what? So you think that they go back to normal size and then when he closes them, they droop down really low <laughs> and roll then out. snap back. <laughs> oh, that'd be fascinating. Yeah, let's go with that. That's the funniest way of doing it. Okay, so that's what happens. Either way, that's going to limit his vision yeah, quite thing, a lot. It's like a three-second blink. <laughs> or do you just, you'd learn to wink alternate, alternatively, wouldn't you? Uh, go, maybe. Maybe, That's that could be a smart way I was miming that and that doesn't work in a <laughs> podcast. But with Jerry Seinfeld, you wouldn't punch, you'd just slap, wouldn't you? Yeah, six just times. Just slap the absolute that shit out of him. Huge. Those are massive hands. Think about your range. You could hold him off pretty well as well. Yeah. Just throw him you off could with your fingers. snake eyes him, poke him in the oh, eyes. Absolutely. You, you can't could. put your fingers up to block him if he's snake. You can't yeah, do that. Like, I guess, idea. yeah, not being able to clinch isn't great. But, jeez, they're, they're underestimating the amount of positives. And you can palm him. Yeah, it's, you've got a lot of flexibility, yeah. whereas Jerry Springer has real downsides. Yeah. Like, even if he's doing the alternate blink, the winking back and forth, worst comes to worst, because you know how you got a dominant <laughs> eye and your vision shifts when you close one eye and open the other? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so his vision's constantly uh, shifting yeah, while he does true. it. That's true, so actually. I haven't thought of that. He's seeing two images side by side to be able to maintain i certainly hadn't thought of that yeah, aspect so no. i reckon i'm going jerry seinfeld yeah i suppose the only counter is i don't think seinfeld's much of a fighter i think uh, jerry spring just witnesses fights doesn't yeah he? We, we've had this discussion on the other one that he was involved in <laughs> yeah but i think he would still have yeah, he would have is, some fighting <laughs> he'd have some fighting in his heart banjo but yeah i agree i think the uh, six times regulation size is actually probably an advantage yeah. in a lot of ways so i'm going to go with seinfeld as well you could like karate chop him yeah, yeah, yeah. There's heaps of advantages. Although, yeah. you want a karate chop with the palm bit, don't you, anyway? Yeah, but the f- if you have that bigger finger, I expect it to be pretty strong. It would hurt quite a bit still. Yeah, are they six times width as well or just length? It says regulation size, so I think that's both. You'd have <laughs> such fat fingers. How would they fit on your hand? They'd be like so spread Would it weigh his hands down as well? Oh, we're going into this way too much. <laughs> Let's finish this podcast. This we're, one's fascinating. Why didn't you ask this one earlier? <laughs> I'm telling you, last good one left. But uh, no, we're going, both going with Jerry? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Seinfeld. Seinfeld. <laughs> yes, we're both going with Seinfeld. Yeah, so uh, that wraps it up then. We'll leave it on that note. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.